Please note, this episode contains some emotional content, adult issues, and strong language, which may not be suitable for all listeners. In general, the amount of effort you put in does equal results. But there is no amount of... Trying. Trying that I can put into this. Welcome to How Did We Get Here? I'm Claudia Winkleman, here with my friend, clinical psychologist, Professor Tanya Byron. This is the place where we address some of the challenges people face in their daily lives, either personally or with their families. Tanya talks to people in one-to-one sessions whilst I'm listening in from another room. In the break and at the end, I ask Tanya a bit about her process and we explore the issues that are raised. Sophie and her husband have been trying to conceive for two years, and then in May of last year, she was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure. They have since had two rounds of IVF and are now looking to move forward using donor eggs. Sophie said the diagnosis rocked her world and is finding it hard to come to terms with what that means and what the future holds. Within days of that, three pregnancy announcements, two of my cousins and my sister. Oh, crikey. What you're about to hear are the key parts of a one-time, unscripted session with a real person. We follow up with our guests after the recording, passing on links and contacts, some of which you will find in the programme notes of this episode. Let's go and meet Sophie. Thank you so much for coming in. It's okay. Why have you come? My husband and I have been trying to have children for a few years, and 18 months ago, I was diagnosed with premature ovarian insufficiency. Goodness, what does that mean? It basically means that um, I'm on the verge of going into menopause. Um, How old do you look? So I was 29 at the time that I was given the diagnosis, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so basically was told in this appointment that my ovarian reserve was similar to somebody like age 45 and that if we wanted to have any chance of being able to have genetic children that we should pursue IVF straight away but that we wouldn't be eligible for any funding for for that as well <laughs> um this must have been a terrible shot yeah up to that point obviously other than just having not fallen pregnant all of the tests that we'd had had come back normal and so yeah it was a huge shock and then since then we've sort of been doing fertility treatment and we sort of exhausted all of our options with being able to have a genetic child so we've now moved on to treatment with donor eggs okay and how do you feel about that I still have moments where I like step back from everything and just think like how is this my life like how I just feel like I haven't had an opportunity to come up for air it's been relentless it feels like lightning speed and also I know people have had IVF and you're also full of hormones I mean I don't know about you but they didn't feel totally regulated if that makes any sense or yeah uh it's a lot yeah how are you and your husband dealing with it we're going to be in a position where we have children that are not genetically related to me but they are to him so that's something to kind of try to make sense of a lot of relationships don't survive this the statistics around like separations from people who've gone through fertility treatments is huge so we try our best to kind of try and look after each other but it's it's a massive strain financially emotionally 
everything. It's been huge. Tell me about family and friends. Do they know? Are they aware? Are you leaning on people? So my mum and my siblings, my brother and my sister and my dad, know about the situation. But the only person that I really talk to directly about it is my mum. I can talk to my mum about the logistics of it and like what we're doing but as soon as it ventures into like how it's making me feel I can't like to carry you through you need other people to look after you darling is my is my sense I'm sorry have you found the eggs that you want we're doing our treatment over in the Czech Republic yeah we had our donor cycle back in July and we have got embryos in the freezer congratulations yeah since we've come back we've tried to do two cycles but they keep getting cancelled i'm not responding to the medication and then they can't get my body ready to do a transfer basically we're just trying different cocktails of medication until something works if we are successful at some point and we get to the point where we stop fertility treatment because we're pregnant I just think, am I going to fall apart yeah. because I've not dealt yeah. with it like as as we've gone through this? Okay, so you need you've come here for a, a good old process. Yeah. It feels like you've been firefighting all the time. You're like a a long distance runner, you know, and the odd hurdle gets thrown, and you have to kind of jump over it and fall over a bit but you'll pick yourself up and you'll keep running and I think you must be utterly exhausted yeah is it all that you think about yeah you're nodding yeah and I think that's also it's exhausting that even when you're not involved in the practical stuff which as Claude said and we have to say again includes taking a cocktail of medications which can have major impact on your mood anyway one thing after another. When is it going to end? Yeah. And I think, like, my body has failed. I'm curious about how deeply you are taking significant responsibility in a really emotional way for this. I do feel guilty that it is that it's me that is the thing preventing him from being able to have children. Are you someone who will very quickly turn frustration about a situation onto yourself? Yes. I'm a perfectionist and I am hard on myself. So that's one hell of a personality trait to bring into a situation like this, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. You're laughing. Tell me why you're laughing. I think in situations outside of this, in life, in general, the amount of effort you put in does equal results. But there is no amount of... Trying. Trying that I can put into this. Tell me about your perfectionism. I think I've always been probably quite driven by... Praise, like praise from other people. So external validation really kind of motivates and sustains you. How good are you at internal validation? Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. 
I think there's always a sense of like you could do more. In childhood, you were loved and valued by your parents and you felt good enough? Not because anybody was telling me that. And do you see it in siblings or in your own parents or do you see it in people that you're related to? Do you see that similar personality trait? We have a big family. Both my parents have got three siblings each and everyone's got children and so there's lots of cousins and stuff. And I think there has always been a sense of not com- not competition, but like comparison between relatives from the point of, from the age that people in the family started doing GCSEs, like there was probably one of us every year doing them for 10 years. Mm. Comparison of like academic results, comparison of other achievements, like. And who was doing the comparing? Your parents and their siblings, they were all yeah. kind of going, oh, what did yours get? Mine got this sort yeah. of thing. Oh, so that was actually happening. So you got this sense with your parents, who I know love you deeply, that they were benchmarking you against the, the offspring of their siblings. It makes it sound worse than it is. Like, I wonder if, like, I was just... Something in my personality made me particularly sensitive to that. Mm. Has your sister had kids? Four. Oh, gosh. Wow. Who I'm sure you love. And I'm sure... Have any of your cousins had kids? Yeah. Wow. That's another challenge. And I suspect it's hard for you to feel envy and frustration with the other people in your life who have children because you love them and you love their children. So that's a whole other complex web of emotion that you now are. So we did the first cycle of IVF, which ended in a miscarriage. How many weeks? Six weeks. And then within days of that, three pregnancy announcements two of my cousins and my sister. Oh, crikey. So you had to put on a smile, be a good sister, be a good cousin, but inside you just perhaps even wanted to scream at them just to shut up and go away and leave you alone? My way of dealing with it is just to, like, isolate. Mm. So life has become very much narrower, nothing really to punctuate the focus of conception is there there's nothing to give you any respite no and what do you think that's about is that shame is that embarrassment is that despair I think it's uncomfortable because we're not like a family who talks about difficult like things that are difficult and emotions not because they don't care. We've never been in a pos- position where we've had to have these kinds of conversations or talk about how we're feeling. There will have been stuff. Every family has stuff. And was it when you were growing up? Is it much more that sort of task-focused family? You just kind of pick yourself up, you soldier on? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I feel like I'm not equipped with the skills of like how to manage the emotional side yeah a significant part of managing it is naming it you've named it okay so actually I think you're a lot better at this than you think you are the problem is 
you're looking at this in the same way as you look at everything else, which has previously in your life enabled you to be successful and has enabled you to quiet that inner voice that's going, you're not good enough, keep going. They got A's, you've got to get A's. She's had three kids, that's okay because you're going to have one soon. That little inner voice that we all have, that insecurity, that inner critic, we've all got it. But your inner voice now is screaming at you because the counterbalance to that, your perfectionist, hardworking, task-focused, I can make this work part of your personality it's just not enabling things to happen in the way you want them to happen at this moment in time. Can you see how yeah. I'm laying it out? Yeah. Emotionally, like, I'm not dealing with that well because that voice in my head that says work harder is still there. And telling you you're failing. Oh, sweet. Now you're crying again. <laughs> Had you ever seen it as, this is you, this is what you're bringing to this experience, which is a combination of hardworking resilience, task-focused, just get on with it, the narrative of your family, how we've all achieved and done well. But it's also a level of insecurity, which that's okay because my insecurities have always been managed by the validation of others and I can get that because I can work hard and achieve and people say, well done, Sophie, you're really smart. You did really well. Yeah. The problem is now life has thrown you something where you're working your flipping socks <laughs> off. I mean, you couldn't work harder. But it's not giving you the result. Yeah. So there isn't any validation. So therefore that inner voice now cannot be quietened by external validation and results and it's absolutely decimating you. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. As I think ahead, I think, right, okay, so there would be donor egg conception, which is what you're doing now. The next step after that would be surrogacy. The next step after that would be adoption, mm -hmm. I suspect. Is that kind of the way you're looking at it? You per persevere on, keep going. or just childlessness. Yeah, I don't think that's something you really want, is it? No. So it feels to me by hook or by crook, you will mother. But tracking back to, to, to what we're looking at now... Being a mother, having children, moving forward in your life, it might also be worth looking at this perfectionist streak in you because you probably kind of want to be able to be a bit more carefree with your kids. Yeah. I wouldn't want that for them. So then you need to change that now about yourself. It's me. I just want to pause a moment because something just occurred to me. You talked about her being a perfectionist. How on earth did you get there? My heart goes out to her and women like her who have to kind of yeah. go through that to, to, you know, to have a child. I could just hear that this was something that sat 
at a very, very, very deep level in her. I could hear the failure, the sense of failure already that felt to me bigger than what you would expect somebody in her situation to feel. I guess those are the clinical instincts you you have when you listen carefully. And so you start to plant questions, you start to just look at certain things. And I think by the time I said to her, it feels like a loving but very task-focused family, I think at that point I could see that this was a problem she was struggling with because her personality type is very, very inflexible when it comes to not achieving. Okay, let's go back to the chat. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. My worry is, like, not dealing with this now. And, you know, we we plan to tell our children about their conception. So it's, you know, part of their identity from when they're really small and it's not something that they learn later on in life and it's a huge shock and they've been lied to. So I understand all of that. I've researched it. Um, I bet you have. (laughs) So... And there's great places, aren't there? There's the Donor Conception Network. There are some yeah. amazing resources. Yeah. And books as well. If you said lovely yeah. books that you can have to read to your donor egg conceived children and just really brilliant stuff. Yeah. yeah. My my fear would be that eventually talking about it with future children, is it going to bring up all of these same feelings? Like how upset I am by it. Would they perceive that as being, you know, a criticism of them. Of a reaction to the fact that we didn't have children in the way that we first imagined we would. I think your fear is that you will sometimes look at them and think they were not quite what you wanted. I think that's your biggest fear. Intellectually, you know you wouldn't. Yeah. Emotionally, you worry you might. Even allowing myself to have that thought it's like doing some disservice to mm-hmm. your future child. Yeah, I understand that. I think if I help you find the therapist to pick up where I leave off, yeah, my feedback to them would be, Sophie needs to grieve. I'm talking about for you to grieve and say goodbye to how you thought you would have children. That's not doing a disservice to future children. If you were to sob and grieve and say, I am so desperately sad that I am unable to conceive with my husband a child that would be genetically a combination of both of us, 
that's not then somehow saying so any other child is a is a second third fourth best that is you acknowledging how you thought that was going to be is not and at some point find peace with that it, this feels like a bereavement to me sophie you need to have space to sit down and rant and be furious about this. And you need to give yourself permission. It makes you a brave woman who wants to be as emotionally healthy as she can be for her children when she receives them into her life. Yeah. I'd like to take a break because I think you need a bit of a breather. So we're talking about grief. And we're talking about that's the focus for ongoing support for you. There's something else I'm going to talk to you about afterwards, but I'm going to plant it now because I want you to think about it. Mm-hmm. Claude and I are going to make sure you leave here with a plan to shift your social relationships. Yeah. You need to not think about this sometimes. And because you're not seeing anyone, you're thinking about this all the time. You are in a house of mourning. So point number one, I want you in the break to make a list of all the women, people, friends, groups that you've lost contact with or you're not really contacting. And I want you to think, actually, what could I do that could bring some joy back? Point number two, I would like you to think about starting a journal that one day you will give to your child or children. Yeah. And chapter one could start in the break of you recording a podcast and beginning to look at things differently. And I'd be really curious to see what you will write at the beginning of the journal that will be part of the narrative that you will give to your children one day when they're old enough to understand it so that their mum tells them their story with all the love that she has in her heart. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that would be good. I found it fascinating, especially her reaction, because you described it so brilliantly. When you said, this is about grief. Yeah, she. I, I can't even tell you, Claude, she sort of just kind of yeah. relaxed. She needs to grieve and say goodbye to the role of being mother that she expected, which yeah. was conception, pregnancy, birth. That's what she's seen happening in her sister's family and her cousins in her the world, right? She won't let herself grieve because I think she feels guilty that if she acknowledges how disappointed she is that she can't do it that way, somehow she's kind of saying, these children that I will, I hope one day have, will never quite be good enough. Which of course is not true. No, but she wasn't really, she was talking about herself then. Yes. So people often stop themselves grieving because they feel too guilty to acknowledge the feelings that come with grief. Oh, is that true? 
That's what you were saying to it. It was fascinating. You can't come out of it unless, because grief is anger, deep feeling of sadness, a feeling of why me, all of these things. And if you don't let yourself feel that, then you can't get through the grief. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 100%. She's stuck. She's stuck in the grief and she's ashamed at what these feelings of grief bring up for her because perfectionists yeah. don't do that. Perfectionists just get on with the task in hand yes. and she's furious with herself. You know, I listen next door and I write copious amount of notes that then I can't read back because I've got terrible handwriting, but I've written down in huge, bold anger. Because yeah, I can see it from here. She, because she must be. Yeah. But who wouldn't be? The point I would is, be. she's feeling too guilty to allow herself to feel angry. Right. It's so complicated. And I feel like her family, who are obviously a loving, nurturing family, I don't think that's a language they speak as a family. And maybe she wants to protect them. She doesn't want them to know how angry and sad she is. I think you used the word, which is brilliant. There is nothing to punctuate the need for conception, which I totally understand. She is a doer, right? She's fixated on this. I will get it done. You said you've got to find some some other stuff to punctuate. I kind of think when you meet her at the end, if that's the bit she's still struggling with, you've got to... You've got to applaud her. You've got to somehow enable her to recognise how vital that that is. Vital. Also, this process is long. It could take years. It could. It could absolutely take years. And it's not... You and I both know people who have gone through something like this. Yeah, it's just a good idea just to take your, take your eye off it. Tell me about the journal, which I love. Yeah. I asked her to write a journal that begins, Hello, you, which would be to little person, however they arrive. And this journal is really saying, I'm going to tell you the story of how you came to be in this family. And it's a big story, so we're going to snuggle down together under a blanket. But it's an important story and it's something I want to share with you. Claude, you've got tears in your eyes. Whoever comes will be really lucky to have her as a mum. In the writing of it, I think it will enable her to frame this narrative differently, to see it as the important journey that had to be taken in order for little you yes. to be part of her life and i and and i it's a sort of connection that i think will enable her to hold on to possibility in a way that i can see she's not at the moment oh that's excellent okay i'm going to go and get her i said how are you and you said good Tell me why you're good. I think it's helpful to have somebody say you need to like grieve what has happened. And I think I've not been giving myself permission mm. to do that. Oh, absolutely right. Why do you think you haven't given yourself permission? To not be able to start a family in the way that we'd, we thought we would. Is it the same thing as sort of saying, like, I don't want to be on this path that we're on, which is not the case. Guilt. Like, I know they're separate things. <laughs> but guilt stopped you acknowledging it, didn't it? Yeah. At the moment, it's not fine because it's relentless and it's a chore and it's absolutely destroying you. And my worry would be, by the time you did have a child, you'd be broken. So in terms of the tasks I gave you, let's go with the how not to be broken bit. Yeah which is the quick one, which is you have got to reposition this in your life. 
it's become everything. It cannot be everything. You will break, my darling. You will absolutely break. You need to give yourself permission also to go and have a good laugh. You will not sustain yourself psychologically and emotionally if you don't give yourself permission to not think about it sometimes. Did you have any ideas? Have a drink. <laughs> I think I can name two times in the last three years that I've had a drink because one of the things with going through IVF is like trying to do whatever you can to try and improve your chances. Mm -hmm. So cutting out alcohol. Have a drink. But I think that actually means just be amongst people who are drinking and if you have one, great. But if you don't, you can still have a laugh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've said see friends. Have you cut them out? When I met my husband, I like relocated to live where he lived. Mm. And then I think I've started a new job and I've definitely not let anybody in. So you, you're saying let let friends back and let people in? Yeah. Good plan. Any more? Taking time off work that is not for fertility treatment. You so know. you haven't even had a holiday or a break? No, not really. And oh. then I said have, like, go away. Yes, tick, good. And laugh more. You need to laugh. You need to share. You need to feel the sun on your face. I, I have a feeling there's just... The only conversations you really mostly have with your family and maybe even your husband is all about this. I mean, it's just completely defining you in the most unhappy way. Yeah. No, I can see that. So then we talked about starting the starting the narrative. Do you want to read it? If it's personal, you don't have to. It's entirely up to you. Yeah, no, I'm happy to read it. Okay. I've said... We love you so much and we don't even know you yet. We're doing everything we can and trying so hard to bring you home because we so badly want you to be a part of our family. We want you to know just how much you were always wanted and how grateful we are that you might read this one day and understand all that we went through so that we could be your mum and dad. What does that feel like, writing it, hearing yourself say it? I think what I've been worried about is that, yeah, they might feel like they were not our first choice, but I think reading this, that isn't how they would feel. And you would never make them feel that way. You just need some help to get to the point where you can say goodbye to how, for you, it should have been where you can accept that you're not to blame, where you can allow yourself to not be perfect in the way you think you should be perfect and how you can let some sunshine back into your life before this little person arrives. Then you will be fine. Yeah. Sophie, I just want you to start living again. Because when this child comes into your life, I don't want them to have a mother who is so broken and exhausted that she's forgotten how to find any joy apart from via her child, because that's one hell of a responsibility to put on a child, isn't it? I want them yeah. to have a mum who's funny and fun and can do crazy things with them and laugh. And I absolutely believe you'll do this because I think you've given yourself permission to be kind to yourself 
and to begin to realize that you are more than this body that has to conceive and you need to take care of all of you in order to be able to manage ahead and one day welcome your child into your life. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. I want you to find something that you love doing. If it's a local art class, rambling. I want you to go to Zumba. I don't know what it is. Don't, I genuinely <laughs> don't know what it is. Don't no. go to Zumba. Let's scrap that. It's difficult because you're in a new area. Yeah. But that's okay. You have to reach out. Also, I think your husband... You'll say, he knows you're here, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you'll say, I think we need to go out and I'm going to have a glass of wine. Yeah. By the way, you'll practically fall over after a sip. You don't even need a whole glass. <laughs> you will, if you're I anything know. like me. Yeah. And also because you haven't drunk for so long. But even, you don't forget drinking. You don't even, but let's go to a movie. I think he'd be thrilled. He will be thrilled. Yeah. And you know what? So will you. Mm-hmm. And I know you're not used to it and people want to help. Yeah. So you know what? If there is that work friend... Go out with her and have dinner with her and just go, I've been through shit. It's awful. And if it hasn't happened to her, I promise you she will know somebody. And tell your mum. Mums are more useful than we give them credit for. But you can also phone her up and sob your heart out and say, I feel rubbish. And tell your sister too. She'll feel guilty enough. But you can tell her. You can say it's really hard. And I love my nephews and nieces, but this is not going the way I thought. And Everybody look after me a bit, and they will. Yeah. I'm crying, you're crying. This isn't helpful. <laughs> so, um, but do you understand? That's, yeah. I, we have to go through all kinds of stuff, and you are going through the worst, I promise you, and we see that, and you can't do it alone, and I promise you, you will get it done. It's just yeah. going to take longer than you thought, and you are going to be the most amazing mum. Thank you. I don't think I'm saying too much, but... Lots of people I know have been through this. Mm-hmm. Often the babies who are the hardest to get are the most loved, and that's the yeah. situation. And can I suggest Tanya and Claudia for names? <laughs> yeah. Male or female. <laughs> Thank you. Sophie, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Is Sophie going to be okay? What do you think? I think she will. I got very strict with her at the end. A lot of it wasn't on mic. It was outside. Oh, no, I was there, I heard. I think she will. I think acceptance and grieving is absolutely key, as you said. You cried. I did. It came to me at the end that she's been dealing with all of this by herself and her husband. I'm not saying husbands aren't useful. Without her mum, really. I mean, her mum's been amazing, but she only gives a certain Sophie to her mum. Yep, we've got this in, going for the scan on Tuesday. How are you? How's dad? All right, bye, love you. And sometimes it's really important, you always taught me this, to say, do you know what? It's it's rubbish. It's shit, yeah. How often do people get to using donor eggs, if you like, if if that's even a fact at all? It's estimated that I think about every year about 2,000 children are conceived with the help of a donor. So it could be um, sperm eggs, or egg. Yeah, yeah. That it's donor sperm or donor eggs. Uh, and sometimes both. That's called a double donation. So you can do both. Um, and, you know, it's such an amazing thing because if you think about it, 
without a donor, many of these people wouldn't have been able to yeah. have a family. There is an amazing charity, fertilitynetworkuk.org, and they have local support groups across the UK. And I also think there's a lot, isn't there, where to be said for sometimes just being amongst people who also truly get it. Yes. So I've given Sophie that information as well for when she leaves. Absolutely. I think that will really help her because you go, oh, yes, that's how I feel. Yeah. But there's one thing that you did that really annoyed me. Oh, I'm so sorry. What have I done? How dare you diss Zumba? I I knew you were going to say that. You know I, I love Zumba. I uh, and, and therefore, you, I love Zumba. You don't, though, Claudia. I know you don't. Like I don't Zumba. know what it is. Yes, you do, because I've demonstrated it for you. But I've always noticed you flick your eyes onto your phone. With disdain. With disdain. I'll tell you what we'll do now. This is how we're going to end this. You and I will stand at least four metres apart. We'll open up your little laptop and we'll do a Zumba online. Only if I can film it and show the world. No, it's it's a solid No. Let's go and have a cup of tea instead. Okay. <laughs> Zumba. Is this something to do with badminton? Oh, Claudia, it's the best. Is it Latin? No, it's just fabulous. What is it, hip movements? You're confusing. It's something I think you need to start doing. And here's a little aid memoir. Please subscribe to all the podcasts to get more episodes for free. Rate and comment, and most of all, share with simply everyone you know. It helps us to make more. Thank you. If you've been affected by any of the issues discussed in this episode, please see our programme notes for information about further support and advice. And if you're interested in taking part in future episodes of How Did We Get Here, please email briefly describing your issue to how at somethingelse.com. That's how at somethingelse.com without the G. Next time we meet John. I've had feelings of feeling quite alone about this, you know, and and I've never really seen it in that, that way. I feel like I've been angry for probably this last year. It's, it's almost like the anger's kind of gone. This podcast was made by the team at Something Else. The sound and mix engineer is Josh Gibbs. The assistant producer is Grace Laker. The producer is Selena Ream. And the executive producer is Chris Skinner, with additional production from Steve Ackerman. Thank you so much for listening.